Welcome back, everyone. I'm glad to have you here. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Skeen, and this is the Teaching Writing in College podcast. Just briefly, before I begin this episode in earnest, I'd like to point out that the podcast now has a Facebook page titled Teaching Writing in College. I would be happy to hear from you there. I also have an email address for the podcast, teachingwritingincollege at gmail.com. The podcast is now available both on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And my hope is that podcasting can be a way to explore teaching writing in ways that lead to the greatest benefit for students. Please like, share, and subscribe. My goal in this podcast is to explore all aspects of teaching writing for the ultimate benefit of students. The about statement I wrote for the podcast, which you can probably find when you first open the podcast and scroll down, states, Teaching Writing in College explores the connections between teaching writing and learning transfer. Episodes emphasize praxis, the relationship between the theoretical and practical, in an effort to understand how people learn to write and how educators might make the most of the time they have with their learners. The driving question is, how can instructors in higher education leverage theory, science, pedagogy, and craft most effectively when writing is the subject of study to benefit their learners the most? I'm just starting this podcast, and originally I had planned to cover other material early on, such as the Elon statement on writing transfer, but then news broke about ChatGPT. So I decided to begin with some early episodes about my response to this new phenomenon. In my previous episode, I began by acknowledging how disconcerting it was for me and probably a lot of other educators to learn about ChatGPT's capabilities, which really are quite impressive. It does seem to represent a turning point in how people use or develop written prose now and in the future. And in the short term, the most pressing concern might be academic integrity, which concerns about student le- with concerns about student learning more generally right behind that. How can we help students learn about writing in the face of technology that seemingly has the capacity to do written work for us? After learning, listening to the news about ChatGPT, talking to colleagues and working with it a little myself, I've come to the conclusion that good pedagogy is the most viable way to accomplish learning goals about writing that we might have for our learners. In the previous episode of this podcast, I argued that shifting from a high-stakes model of grading with things like final papers, midterms, and exams toward a more participatory model, participatory model for grading would be an important step forward where participation and practice get the primary rewards. Given that we mostly work within a system that rewards students with grades, we should reward students for the activity that they do, which will help them the most. Consistent, varied practice with knowledge about writing, as well as reflection on their knowledge and how they use it. To continue that conversation about good pedagogy, I'd like to discuss a concept called desirable difficulties. Robert Bjork, a cognitive psychologist, has written about this concept in a few different publications, and it also gets mentioned in the book Make It Stick. As the name Desirable Difficulty suggests, the idea behind it is to purposefully create difficulties for students to overcome, to make them work for it. Their brains should be the ones doing the processing, which makes the work difficult, but those difficulties are desirable because they lead to benefits students wouldn't otherwise get. The benefits, as Bjork puts it, are that as we shift the burden of thinking and application to students, students' brains experience gains in memory as well as gains in their conceptual knowledge of a task, skill, or subject. That is, their brains wire up to remember what they are learning while also gaining the capability of understanding relationships among ideas in the subject matter they are learning. 
I see that assertion as significant because a mark of expertise, as literature on learning and transfer tells us, is a deep understanding of the interrelationships in a body of knowledge. But as Bjork explains, teachers often feel that purposefully adding impediments to students' performance will hinder their learning. That understanding is a problem because while students may make short-term gains and perform better on a task initially when a teacher makes it easier, the longer-term gains only come when obstacles are introduced. Bjork offers some advice for introducing these desirable difficulties. For example, in a book chapter titled Memory and Metamemory Considerations in the Training of Human Beings, in the book Knowing About Knowing, edited by Metcalf and Shimamura at the MIT Press in 1994, Bjork explains that a teacher might vary the conditions of practice, provide contextual interference, making tasks more difficult, uh, such as providing an outline for material that must be read, but making that outline inconsistent with the organization of the material to be read, distributing practice, reducing feedback during training, treating tests as learning events, making them more difficult by varying the time as well as the material covered between test sessions. I'm sure that over time I will assert on this podcast that knowledge of genre should be central to writing instruction. The task before most students as they transition out of an educational context into the real world or as they move from one classroom to the next will be to write in different genres. Thus, when I write assignment prompts, I like to make a switch in genre that the main ta- as the main task that students need to undertake while they should also use other supporting strategies like adjusting style, finding content, and structuring their writing. All of these can be subjected to things that Bjork recommends. Practice sessions can be distributed. One can interfere with the context. One can vary the conditions of practice. One effective way to create desirable difficulties with genre is to provide some contextual interference. If you think about the context of a classroom, communication often relies on a set of explicit instructions that students are expected to carry out. Thus, when writing assignment prompts for a writing course, it can be tempting on the part of us teachers sometimes to tell students in the prompt exactly what we want. They are more comfortable when we give them things like outlines or if we tell them what we want the writing to look like. I get questions like that all the time from students. In the context of a classroom, it often comes down to the question, what does the professor want? They want us to spell it out. It may be an undercurrent in the culture of higher education as well. Sometimes students' judgments of professors come down to how clearly they felt the professor conveys information. Sometimes students are asked about a professor's clarity of communication on end-of-course surveys. But it's not the job of a professor to simply convey information. The job of a professor is to teach, and teaching is not a simple transmission of information. The professor is not simply a node in a network of knowledge between a textbook and a student's mind. If I am the instructor and I give students a precise description and a list of content I want them to quote-unquote cover in a given writing assignment, my brain is the one that has to do the thinking about the genre. My brain is the one that has to decide what a given genre, say a movie review, ought to read like. My brain has to decide how to structure the writing. I could read a bunch of movie reviews, look for patterns, and then spell those patterns out for students on an assignment sheet. And I should read movie reviews and look for patterns if I'm going to assign a movie review as a writing assignment, 
but I shouldn't spell out what I find for students. Instead, I should insert some contextual interference by writing an assignment description that asks them to write in the genre of a movie review without giving specifics. In place of specifics, I should recommend that students analyze the genre themselves and then adapt the tools we have practiced in class, which is what we should have been doing in the weeks leading up to the assignment. That means during class, I need to have them learn and practice rhetorical tools that will help them develop content, structure their writing, and adjust the style, all in a way that is adapted to movie reviews. For example, my prompt might read in a way that does not provide desirable difficulties through contextual interference, and if I write an assignment like that, it might sound like this. Quote, For this assignment, write a movie review that opens with an introduction that provides background information and cues the reader, provides a description of the movie, including the plot and other relevant details without offering spoilers, evaluates the movie according to typical standards against which movies tend to be evaluated, such as screenplay, casting, special effects, or other criteria depending on the genre. For example, a rom-com might be evaluated against criteria that are different from criteria one would use with an action film. Varies the judgments. Reviews should not only be positive or negative, but somewhere in between to support critical thinking and concludes with a balanced judgment that takes into account those pros and cons. End quote. By contrast, an assignment with contextual interference which places the burden of interpreting the genre onto students might read like this. This semester we learned how to distinguish one type of writing from another. It is up to you to figure out what a movie review should read like and what skills would be most helpful as you write one. Use a genre analysis in the form of rocks, recurring occasion, content, structure, and style to figure out what a movie review should contain, what types of evidence or examples might be used, what its structure should be, and what its style should be. Use the examples we have been reading in homework to guide but not dictate your decision making. This is the type of cognitive activity you'll have to do with writing in the real world that you haven't done before. Use the skills we have practiced in class that help you in those areas. Generate content, structure, and style as necessary. Create impressions as necessary. Adapt as necessary so that your piece of writing resembles a real movie review. Make sure your writing is audience-oriented. Movie reviews are typically published in news outlets, blogs, websites, about movies, or other places where audiences might be looking for them. Where do you see your movie review being published? Somewhere very local, such as a university's online newspaper, in your hometown's newspaper, on RottenTomatoes.com? Find some sample published reviews and consider how yours might be adjusted for a particular publication. It is essential that you participate regularly and fully in class. That is the only way you will be able to internalize all the skills we have been studying so that you can switch to this new type of writing. That is how you will get the greatest benefit from this assignment and from the course. I have noticed that sometimes students balk at assignments written in this way because they find the instructions indirect and potentially confusing. In my own efforts to be transparent in teaching, I explain desirable difficulties to my students and use the term as we work on metacognitive reflection together. Additionally, I can do a lot in the classroom to support this approach. 
I can organize the course conceptually, especially around the concept of genre, because we can't anticipate or practice all the genres students might encounter in the future. And we also can't anticipate what new genres might arise as discourse changes over time, socially and technologically. In short, the concept of genre in writing studies provides a framework that anticipates the needs of audiences and focuses on how people use writing in various contexts. Students also need additional concepts. A course organized around genre also needs additional tools to support their practice with and analysis of various genres, bringing in concepts such as invention, organization, and style, along with actionable tools that can help students make decisions about those and other facets of communication are very helpful. Once I have organized the course conceptually, I can have students exercise their memory by recalling important course concepts and rehearsing definitions of those concepts by asking them to work on those definitions in groups periodically or define them for themselves. I can also share definitions. I can have them practice analyzing unfamiliar genres, one that they might anticipate using in the future but have not encountered yet. I can also have them practice writing in new genres, which is an important part of learning about writing and arguably teaching transfer. I can have them practice with the supporting tools as well, all in the same ways. They'll need practice recalling what those tools are, and then they'll need practice using them periodically throughout the course. We also use genre to analyze a range of examples of the genre I'd like students to write in for a given assignment. Allowing students to experience some difficulty as they try to define unfamiliar concepts, recall the concepts from memory, and even decide how to use them to problem solve are all helpful. They help me give students opportunities to learn while I also provide them with a framework that will build their expertise about writing. I can also hold metacognitive discussions about desirable difficulties. I can share information from cognitive and educational psychology and even design activities around that information to show how the challenge will benefit them. I can offer an analogy about how the benefits of exercise come from the effort. When we place a load on our body, it will respond in a positive way. Likewise, their capacities will increase with the challenges that I provide for them regarding their writing. We can also practice using our skills and material from their other classes so they can experience the usefulness to them of our course concepts. Anyway, I promised at the beginning that this episode was prompted by the emergence of chat GPT. So what does all this have to do with artificial intelligence? In my own anecdotal experience with chat GPT, I have found that if I feed it an assignment with contextual interference, it can write a lot like students who don't come to class regularly and thus don't know how to adapt. Students who aren't there participating in the context of the classroom to begin with won't have had a chance to think about how desirable difficulties could help them, so any contextual interference I provide will fully confuse them. ChatGPT also has not spent months in class with me, so it behaves in much the same way. I have run a few assignment descriptions through ChatGPT that asked students to use course concepts to figure out what a particular genre should read like, such as a commentary, a profile, or a movie review, and then adapt the rhetorical tools from the class to write a piece in that genre. In my assignment descriptions, I often use rocks, recurring occasion, content, structure, and style, as a shorthand framework for describing genres, inspired by Mikhail Bakhtin. So my instructors, my instructions for students to use rocks to figure out for themselves how the genre works became central to the assignment. In other words, my assignments were written to ask students to take on the task of solving writing problems with the conceptual and strategic knowledge they have learned about writing. And what were the results?
Rather than switch to a new genre, ChatGPT began offering advice only by rephrasing my assignment, and it did so in a neat five-paragraph essay. Here's its response. For this assignment, it would be helpful to start by identifying the recurring occasion for a movie review. This might be a specific event or issue that you want to address. The content of a movie review should focus on your perspective or analysis of the movie, and you may want to incorporate evidence or examples to support your points. The structure of a movie review may vary, but it is often helpful to start with an introduction that clearly establishes the topic in your perspective, provides background information, followed by several body paragraphs that explore different aspects of the movie, and a conclusion that summarizes your main points and leaves the reader with something to think about. The style of a review should be engaging and thought-provoking, and you may want to use rhetorical devices such as rhetorical questions or anecdotes to engage the reader. It is also important to consider the audience for your movie review and to adapt your language and tone to suit their expectations and needs. To generate content, you may want to brainstorm a list of ideas or points that you want to address in your movie review and then narrow down and organize those ideas into a logical structure. To generate structure, you may want to outline your movie review considering the introduction, body paragraphs, and conclusion and how each part will contribute to your overall argument. To generate style, you may want to consider the tone and language that you will use and how you can use rhetorical devices or other literary techniques to engage the reader. Overall, the most important thing is to be clear, concise, and persuasive in your writing and to consider your audience around the purpose of your movie review as you craft your argument. So, given that response from ChatGPT, here are some observations on my part. One thing it did was it parroted back the instructions I provided in the form of suggestions or advice with phrases like you may want to or the most important thing is. It even used the same language I used, such as the word generate. And it may have added some of its own advice that it seems to know about writing, such as use literary techniques, language I did not use. It also used advice that seems generic to a more common understanding of writing, have an introduction, several body paragraphs, and a conclusion, where the conclusion summarizes main points and leaves the reader with something to think about, as ChatGPT would put it. I found ChatGPT's response interesting in that it gave an answer that students sometimes give when they haven't been participating in class. It wrote about the rhetorical tools I named instead of writing a review. What it didn't do is the actual writing that I would have wanted students to do. As I'd like to discuss in future podcasts, the result of writing instruction should be a more specific and nuanced understanding of writing than what I was able to get from ChatGPT. Students should understand how all writing is informed by genre, and they should have a skill set that supports their knowledge of and uses of genres. They should, for example, have a range of strategies to develop structure in their writing that can be adapted to a variety of contexts because structure is an important element of genre. Some genres may be more flexible in terms of their structure, for example, and others may be more rigid, but equipping students with a set of structural strategies through classroom practice and having them practice recognizing opportunities to adapt those strategies to contexts that they already inhabit, such as work they are doing in other classes, can be really beneficial. As I noted in episode two of the Teaching Writing in College podcast, Rewarding practice is an important part of teaching writing because varied practice is necessary for learning. If students are able to practice structure in writing, to use it as an example again, they'll be able to recognize opportunities to use a structural strategy and adapt it for this assignment. 
My job as a teacher is to give them that opportunity when it comes time to work on a written project. With that repeated, varied, interleaved practice, practice just as Bjork recommends, they'll be able to engage with this assignment in a way that promotes desirable difficulty. During my class, I teach students a lot of skills that support writing in different genres, but instead of specifying attributes of a genre I want them to write in, I leave it up to them to decide how to use the skills. Their application, their decision-making is what's important in my class, and ChatGPT was not able to replicate that decision-making process. At any rate, I really hope you have enjoyed this episode. Please like, share, and subscribe, and I look forward to creating another episode as soon as I can. On the podcast, I've listed its frequency as semi-monthly, and I'll try to do more as time allows. I wish you the best in your teaching, and I wish your students the best of success in their writing in and out of college.